Hello listener and welcome to Black and White Noise, the Firm Athletics official podcast. This is our end of season special or post-mortem edition, whichever you prefer. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Thomas. Hello. Uh, but we're without Jordan Burt at this time because he's gone and got himself a proper job. So, without further ado, we move on to our guest, a man with his uh, in his third spell with the club. He's played over 200 games, scored five goals, the most memorable of which was wearing a Kamarnik strip, and probably the last player that we sold for folding money about 20 years ago. We're delighted to welcome Greg Shields. Uh, first of all, I should say, we're shaking hands on your podcast remuneration package five minutes ago, but just to make you feel at home, we'd just like to announce that the podcast is in financial trouble, and we'll be slashing <laughs> that by 50%. <laughs> So, I'm in an unusual position today. I was born and brought up in Dunfermline, but I'm outnumbered by people born in Falkirk, it would seem. <laughs> Are you born in Falkirk, Greg? Really? I was, yes. I did not know that. Me too. Yep. Explain FK, yourself, guys. FK United. Um, We're all up in Garden with an FK postcode. So, yeah. <laughs> Both seen the light. That's right, that's right. <laughs> At least you're on the right side of the river. I'll have to stand so first question, uh, so last time we did this podcast, it was Christmas edition, everything's changed by then. Uh, how did you end up at the Pars? Obviously, New Year comes, you're in Carolina, I suppose, suppose uh, enjoying life, and next thing you've been appointed as Stevie Crawford's assistant. Yeah, it was all a little bit weird, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, what, the 9th or 10th that obviously the club party company with Alan um, and, and Ross had reached out to me, I think purely by the off chance that you know, maybe I'm available because he, he knew, I think it was back two years prior that I went to Falkirk again at Christmas and I'd spoke to him Alan and Sandy and, and, and explained my position I was in over there, what I was doing and just the pathway from youth to pro mm-hmm. in the States was, you know, what I became pretty good at. Um, and it was just a, a phone call and saying, we're, we're obviously let Alan and, and Sandy go. Um, would you be interested in coming to the club in a coaching role? Um and I asked, the next question was when? And it was really tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, well, what? And I could see my wife you know, across the, the room and I was like, I was hand signaling on him to she just, my wife was fairly happy in a way because she'd always, we said we'd be there a year and a half and we'd, we'd been there nine and a half years. Mm. Um, so it, it became, you know, a job I really enjoyed, but I felt it was a, a, a good challenge. Um, and I, I thought about it for, you know, a little bit, got back to Ross, spoke a little bit to Stevie as well on it, and um, you know, it was just the logistics of getting here, yes, and how quick you can turn a flight around and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of ties back there as well with the house, cars, had a dog, the kids were still in school. It was just, you know, it was our, our life really that we had to, to, to change. But long story short, we got a flight out of New York that night and you know, turned up at his doors in the morning. I was late with two suitcases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I was quite surprised. Not, not, I knew you were coaching it there. I just figured you were probably quite settled. The fact that it's happened overnight, I, I, I thought was I, I thought was mad timing. But you obviously, you're saying you maybe had an inclination you'd come back one day, the, the opportunity presents itself, and you just make the decision right now, it's, it's now that we've got to do it. Yeah, I mean, my son had planned ahead anyway. He's 18 now. Okay. And he was wanting to come back to, to Stirling Uni. To, to study sports science. Right. We'd, we'd brought a team over here and uh, we back in 2014 or 15, I think it was. Mm. And um, he really liked the, the set in Stirling. Um, just, it was close to Mama and Kinkarton and his granny and granddad and, and the gay bay. And obviously we still had a house in, in, in the bay as well. So um, it made sense that, well, 
you know, we don't want to live in America and one of our kids in Scotland, the other two are in the States and, you know, the long-term effect and knock-on effect of being away from your families, as we know, it becomes tough. Yeah. It becomes hard. And I think at the start, I never really missed Scotland. I didn't. It was a lot of part of coming home again and everybody's grown up, your nieces, nephews, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I started missing that piece, the family life. You know, we looked after our own kids for 10 years on our own. No babysitters, never had a night with my wife. Right. You know, however, maybe that's when she doesn't like me. That's <laughs> <laughs> a successful marriage, right? <laughs> but it was, it was that. People would come over and, you know, they'd, they'd fly out and say, you want to go, he's want to go for a night with a night. No, how do you do that again? Aye. One of the ones, right? Because we're, we're not used to it. But, you know, we, we turned American for a little while and, you know, the accents changed, but, you know, deep down we're, you know, rooted to Scotland and that was where we were always going to come back to it. We just... It was a good time and this opportunity came along and um, one that I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed. So just looking back, and it was a, a slowish start, obviously. The first game it was United and we were unlucky to get beat and then so the, the cup game against the Rovers was disappointing, albeit things just went against us. But mm-hmm. got a really good win against Inverness, went on a, a good run after that, went to fourth place, you know, winning every game, clean sheets. Uh it looked like things had, the corner had been turned there, but the, the worry was always going to be, I guess, what happens when we lose the first goal in a game, and that's when it started kind of going down the hill again. I think that's, you know, that's what I noticed straight away was that when we first came in, and then I always said this to, to, to Stevie and, you know, and Tim Callum was, and it was basically, you want to try and get the most out of what we've got. Um, that was a priority yeah. right from the off. The, the beauty was I didn't really know any of them whether that's a good thing or a bad thing I thought uh, of it was course. because you know I remember standing in the restaurant in the Dundee United game and I'm calling Joe Thompson James Vincent and Tom Beadler <laughs> I couldn't get the three of them because I'd seen them on tape and I'd watched a little bit and because it happened so quick it, it was it wasn't the Dunfermline Bowl the, the chops and chain the, the team chops and chains from week to week or mm-hmm. year to year um, and, and that was a tough part but as we said I just want to get the best out of them how much more can we get out of them to, to to see us, you know, if it's going to be a playoff place or if we're going to stay clear of relegation because, you know, obviously Alan and Sandy got let go because the results weren't going that well yeah. over a period of time. Um, and it was just really the club, we all want to bring that happiness back to the club and, you know, I'm not saying that that's what I'm missing but you can sometimes tell by looking at players' performances that they sometimes slide and their heads are down for whatever reason. Not that I'm a happy go lucky guy, but you know <laughs> I really enjoy I really enjoy that piece of just trying to make players better, it's what I know. Yeah. Um, and it, because I've been away you understand that a little bit better as well, that you know, you've got to try and understand the player. I was more of a listener. And somebody asked me a question last week, you know, how 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 you change? Well, somebody said to me, put yourself in the player's shoes, listen to what the player has to say. I never ever thought like that. Mm-hmm. Did they go through the listening what I had to say? No, it was always I'm right. Well, so many times a player's right, so you can come and you know to some type of medium. And, sure. Um, but no, that was the the emphasis from the start, and it was just pure work ethic, you know, of getting them back to playing the way we want to play, staying narrow, staying compact, not lose goals, which yeah. was a priority because they lost, you know, lost goals, but they hadn't scored goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the base we tried to we we, we, we tried to get in, and, and it worked. But then you know, as it happens, you know, that month we're still losing games, we're still losing goals, albeit we were lucky and lucky against. Ross County and I said to the boys I'm sitting fed up here in this unlucky you know it's unlucky so many times whatever's mm-hmm. happened happened it's done mm-hmm. I don't care anymore right this is us mm-hmm. this is where we're at we're here for a reason and um, beyond that it was 
the Inverness game, and even though we're winning one now, three now we'd be parting all the games one now. There was always a sense of, you know, like you said, we're going to lose a goal. Mm-hmm. We always look shaky. I never really felt that way. I always felt that, you know, the little lucky moments in the game, we earned a lot. Agreed. And we never really looked cut open. I don't think one team cut us open during that time, apart from Collett in the Dundee United game when he did score. Mm-hmm. You know, Queen of the South, when they had a header late on, Ryan Scully saved. That was pretty much it. Um, and it was always that, you know, well, they're just scoring one goal, but they're not losing. Come on, guys, give us some credit that we've went in five, five, five games without losing a goal and scoring goals, and we, we put everybody got back in a really good position in the league. Yeah. So that piece is, and I also find there's a little bit of negative impact on it. But maybe it's a British thing. I don't know. I wasn't used to that piece of. It's know, a five thing. Everything's good and good. You know, we're winning five games, but it's not good enough. Like, come on, you know, and that's that was really the resurrection of us getting going again, and then. I felt when we played Dundee United and we felt here United, it was too much in one week for the group. Mm-hmm. And that maybe sounds a little bit, from a supporter's point of view, maybe, why is he saying that? I'm really saying it because I don't know if the group can cope with the two games as big as that in that week because okay. there were two teams above us. And it was purely for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And that really had an implant in where we ended up mm-hmm. within totally. the season. So it was two very big games in the space of three or four days. It was a tough one for the squad mentally to, to cope with, I felt. Mm-hmm. And there United gave the last 10 minutes. You know, we created chances to get back in the game, albeit we didn't do enough to win the game. Yeah. But they were two teams that were above us all season, Dundee United in the air, and they were there for a reason, right? And, and, and throughout the season, a little bit yo-yo. So, you know, when I reflected, I didn't think we did enough in the two games anyway, but I thought it did have an impact on how we ended up the season. I remember, right, there was a bit of a break between the mm. the game that we won and the United game. There was, was a couple of the Dundee United game with the snow. That was meant to be the Saturday. Ah, it was cold. Well, Dundee United yeah. were on a bad run at that time. Aye. Yeah, I think they just lost to Hallow as well and then they had that break. Then they played the midweek or the following Saturday or something. They won. I can't remember. Well, so I've seen what's in this league. Talk could be bottom and whatever. Absolutely. It was, yeah. That's what you're saying about here. We did win at Somerset Park as well in that run that we were on. So you're, th- th- that was a real disappointment. That was to... to but it was the same you're talking about the negativity I think it maybe comes from we'd obviously seen it all season I've not done the stats if it was a bit of research I would have done them Greg but we've scored very few equalisers all season you know the amount of games we've lost the first goal and you know we ended up losing the game and maybe not even scoring in it uh, I think that was it's a five mentality thing but we've won five in a row we've kept five clean sheets but what's going to happen when we lose the first goal in a game and you know as you saw, we, we find it difficult to come back even after you guys took over. Mm, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Right? It's, it's when you sign a player, you always ask somebody an opinion on a player. What's the player like? Nah, he's not that good. Or he's all right, but... Aye. You know, I always try and look at the, the positive side of it as well and try and put that spin in. Yes, we were on a fantastic run. We did really well as a group to, you know, not concede any goals and also put ourselves in a position to win it because we knew how hard it was in the latter part of the season to actually win the game. And that's what the league brings. So, you know, <laughs> maybe that's my American coming out. Mm-hmm. So the, the two new signings we can uh, we can talk about are Aidan Comrie and Ryan Dow. I don't know enough oh, about them. Aaron Comrie. What did I say, Aidan? <laughs> <laughs> You're Aidan Keane, Aidan Comrie. Comrie and Dow. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got Ryan at Dunfermline. <laughs> 
Or Lewis. Ryan, Ryan Conway and Lewis down. Or Lewis. Lee Longridge, Lewis McCann, Lewis Martin, Lewis Crosby, Lewis Sorrell. Holy crap. What went on 20, 18 years ago? Everybody was called Lewis. That's like the classical days of Smith and Roberts. They were in the 80s. Aye, four Smiths and four three Smith Roberts. Four Smiths and three Roberts in the same yeah. team. Yeah, um, that's showing our age there. No, I mean, good signings. Um, obviously, Callum knew Adam Conway from St. Johnson. Um, I don't know him from St. Johnson, as you can tell. No. Uh, but he did, and you know, he, he came across really well. Obviously, I watched, watched a little bit of game tape of him and, and because he comes as well, he comes from the, the Premier League down. Mm-hmm. And I think he's at the stage of his career where he has to move sideways to to either move on time. or just steady the ship. You know, I had it similar, and that was a conversation I had with him when I met him. And I said, Look, it's similar in many ways because I came for Rangers. And I came to a club that I wanted to do really well at, albeit I was local, I had a house in the town. But you, you really have to prove yourself. Am I good enough for him or not? And I think that's the stage where Aaron Conway is that mm-hmm. he's did well for the 20 odd games in Johnson, but he really needs to come here and establish himself as, uh, as a first team player. Mm-hmm. So the excitement for me as a coach with him coming in and playing the position I played is, is fairly straightforward. Aye. You know, I, I played 86 games here in the side, I've never missed a game, moved mm-hmm. to Germany, great. I hope he does the same. Mm. And that's that's something you want boys to do, not something to your point earlier. You want guys to move on for money and you want to to, to, to try and make the club a little bit of money that's that's not been there over the last however many years. Several. Yes. <laughs> uh, and Ryan Dow, Dundee United obviously moved down uh, to Peterhead and then he's, he's on his way back up. Yeah, well Ryan's we've been fortunate enough to see Ryan. Ryan's been in here twice a week. Over the last couple of years, I heard that. Yeah, with him being in Peterhead and obviously distance travel, whatever, it was good for him to come in here. And we had a good eye to see Ryan in. And, and usually, when you come, when you have players that you know are from out with or players that are fresh that come in, usually there's a little spike where they do do well. And it, it, I'm, I'm going to make reference here, but it's not towards who we had or whatever, right? So, say we have a centre midfield player that we think is doing poorly. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then somebody comes in and does really well. You think, whoa, how good is this guy? Mm-hmm. Or how bad have we been in that position? Right. Right. I sometimes look at Ryan Dow in many ways and think, wow, this guy's got something. Really has. Not to say we're particularly poor in that position, but <laughs> it was really it was like a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, this guy's playing League Two and he's got this, that, that, and that. What? How on earth could we not do that? What he can do? Yeah. So that was like. I was mesmerised to start off with because Peter Head, when I, when I watched him a few times, Peter Head were actually pretty good. They were decent. And I think Peter Head's going to be a team that I'll do well this year because they've got the squad there. Or did have a squad. Nah, I'm really going to take them all. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, had players in Billy Gibson played as a whole midfield player and I want to see them play as well. Right. You know, it was a really good group. Um, and McAllister up front, who's obviously getting a little older but can still score goals. Yeah. Had a good balance. Um, so I think they'll do well regardless. So you're signing players, or player from that league, that um, you know is going to come in and do well because he knows the league, played Premier League yeah. last year, mm-hmm. fell out as well a bit of Ross County, but hungry guy that just really he wants to prove to people that he's he's got something. But that's that's what you need. I mean, I, I remember uh, it was Chris McGrory, and he was saying that he. Left on Fairman, went to play for I think it was St. Mirren. Thought he would 
you know, dance around and fenders and get a move up the way again. You kind of fell down the leagues and the same thing. You know, it's, it doesn't matter where you are. There's always two or three guys in the changing room that could play a higher level, and oh. for whatever reason or not, that's right. Uh, so, like so there's just, gems there just somewhere. Think about it came through. He broke through in the night. Under uh, under deck in Burnaby. It was after Bear left. I remember. I remember him. Good kid, electric pace, but you know, obviously ended up. I don't know where he ended up. What he's doing now, but there's so many back then aye just, uh, just didn't go right from but like saying, all, all, all down at least and you even see it when, when the fan were playing the, like the third tier we were down there for long enough you think you're going to walk the league against these part timers and there's just you know Farfa would rock up and you'd Dale Hilson had a the Hilson winger just cause us endless amounts of problems there's a boy for our growth walks through our defence a couple of times you know and you think what's his name Aidan Wilson no, uh, no, Dale Hilson. Dale Hilson. Far for cost us a lot, brother. Aye, but in these places are hard to go as well, right? I remember when your preseason, preseason games were tough. It's very hard because people expect you to win four or five. Aye, you don't want it. It becomes tight. It becomes a little bit edgy. Our problem is Cook. I'm just going to absolutely crack and run as ragged one day. Players are like that as well. Players are like that. You don't actually realise how good players are until you train with them. Of course. And I keep going back to this thing time when I was at Partick. Jackie came to Partick after my first month and I had an absolute nightmare at Partick. I never enjoyed it at all. Don't know why, but I was back from America for three months, went to Partick and I thought, I won't play for three months. Played against the Pirates. Had a horrendous game. Joe Cardinals with a hat-trick. Never, <laughs> it might be mentioned later, right? Honestly, he never makes me for you. Every time I speak to him, Joe, what with a hat-trick? <laughs> I'll get you another year, another year after that. I've got you returning to film one again. <laughs> David Bingham's normally the one that's cited from kind of mm-hmm. power era, if you like, that he was yeah. in training, he was unbelievable. I think he was excellent, excellent. Liked a little bit of pace, but good player. I remember his goal at Parkhead. Aye. I think he had a 2 1 game in 1987. Mm-hmm. Second game of the season. Penalty in French. Aye. French. Yeah, Penalty. They lost the first game against Motherwell, that was my debut. 2 0 at home, I thought, Fairly Low Celtic actually lost the Easter Road. Aye. That's the season yeah, they won the league. Yeah, they won the freaking league. Mm. Couldn't yeah. believe it. Didn't even hear though. That's right. I'm not scared of it. Never forget it. The old stadium after the game, the fans went mental, and Celtic fans walking away with nothing. I was, I was bizarrely out with Craig Falconbridge that night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what just you do? That was three or four of us. Ah, he was a nice lad, but he just got kind of just full coming up to him talking to him about the game. <laughs> I usually have the worst memory. And then I have a terrible memory of games and whatever, but you're actually taking me through time here. Aye, well, that's what we do. Uh, we live in the past. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, takes us on nicely. What, what is the vision for the future then? The, the reason I ask this, the football over the last couple of months wasn't it great in places. Albeit, I was at this all the way and Pars were fantastic for about half an hour and then the second half it fell to bits a wee bit and all the passing football went out of the, the window but whenever you see the reserves they're knocking the ball about really nicely and it's young kids and stuff like that so do, do you and Stevie kind of have a 
philosophy that you're trying to mm-hmm. imprint upon the team and it's going to be more like what the reserves have been playing Definitely. or? It's a style, you know, it's, and I speak to this a bit to a lot of people in, in the conversations with myself and Stevie and Callum is, you know, we want to have a style of how you play. That's the important piece because you look back in the years of the teams, you know, Dick and Bert from 20 years ago was, you know, although they played a little bit direct, it was to Andy Smith, who was a target forward. Mm. It was direct for the wings as well. We were all this. That's what we say. You know, you had two centre footballers who were very good in Curran and French, but you also had winners in Ben Petrie. Mm-hmm. So, Fairman fans want to see white players. Now, I go to the Jim Mantyre area here as well. They had white players, yeah. like Gibson, Joe Cardos, whoever that played there. The three best David, wingers in the league. David Graham. I you know, love these terms. And that was the identity of the club balls in the box, two forwards, headers. And sometimes it goes with personnel as well. That, and, 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 the way we want to play, we, we want, you know, energy all over the pitch. We're all about winning the ball higher up the pitch. Aye. You know, having numbers higher up with our presentation last week to the voters that, you know, it's the way we've instilled to the reserve group, this is what we want. Mm-hmm. And some of the play has been excellent. You know, the build-up play, mm-hmm. it's not on all the time, don't get me wrong, it's not on all the time, but it's, you have to put it the back every single time. No, it's not. Aye. Cammy Gill has to identify when it's on and miss that and then play it to the midfield player. You know, you see on TV, I, I call Cammy Gill up and say, Cammy, Barcelona, 67 minutes, watch it. Not that we're at Barcelona, but it was the moment of, here it happens here, that we miss it and we're playing that mm-hmm. year. Okay, so it's showing them visually what's going on. And that's how we want to try and say out that this is how we want to play, but we want to ask him a question as well. Can you handle it? Do you want to do it? And can you do it? Mm-hmm. And then if we win the ball higher up the pitch, we've got more numbers higher, but let's face it, if we win the ball higher up the pitch, there's not a lot of teams in the championship, I think, that can really cut you open. Mm. So that's the conversations we have, but it's different when you have to win every week as well in comparison with reserves. And that's the conversation we have. Aye. I don't care how many mistakes Paul Allen makes. It doesn't bother me. If Paul Allen's making two or three mistakes out there, it then becomes, oh, it gets a bit shaky, and, you know, whatever. And we, we understand the vibe and the tension for the fans that when you go back and it goes to goalkeeper and it's like, what would, you know, get the ball forward. Uh, it's, you know, yes. we've got these right now. That's not, and are we trying to change the way the champ? No, we are not. We're just trying to establish an identity and how we want to play. And this mm-hmm. is us. Now, if we get the ball a little bit quicker and establish possession higher up the pitch a little bit more and we're taking five or six touches, then getting wide, if there's no one to get it in the box, then it comes back around, we swing it around and maybe go to the other side or play a through pass. We need more runners in behind from the middle of the park. Mm-hmm. We need more bodies in the box. We know that, mm-hmm. right? And that's what we have to try and create to, 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 to make it exciting again. Okay. So focus on youth, one or two experienced players hopefully coming in. Obviously, we've got one. We've got some still left at the club, obviously. But. Yeah, I hope so. And that's the, the, the thing the manager said last week was the, 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 the spine of the team is so important. We always want to go to the spine. It's like a tree with branches, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the trunk's not right, falls over. <laughs> And then the branches, you know, as I say, you can add in your, your younger, inexperienced players who can, you know, give you energy and, you know, have that little yeah. bit of honest where the older player might not want to run as much as what the younger player would. Yes. <laughs> and that's what the fans want to see as well, right? You know, yeah. as I was, I remember Craig Robertson saying to me years ago, right, I'm going to count how many overlaps you did the day before the game. It was like somebody throwing you a fishing line. Uh-huh. And I caught it. Man, says, all right, no bother. Uh-huh. He goes, um, all right, let's see it. So I'm like, every, every time, goes forward, back in, about 65 minutes, I was knackered, it comes to the end of the game, he says, when the overlaps you do you think? Oh, uh, 20. He goes, no, 28. I said, 28? He went, ah, he says, but how many times you can get the ball? I went, six. 
not four. <laughs> you're stupid bugger, why did you know of a lap dead thing? This is what you told me overlap. He says, no, I didn't. He says, the point I'm trying to make is that, he says, you don't get is that when you overlap, make sure you're doing it at the right times yeah. rather than burning yourself out. And that's the eagerness of a younger player in comparison to an older player. Yeah. As I got older, I didn't want to run as much. I thought I was smarter. I should have probably run as much because I enjoyed that piece Aye. as well. But that's the naivety of the younger player that the older player you know, doesn't have. That's what Stevie talked about. We spoke to him a few months ago when he was in charge of the youths as well. Though he was, he was saying that uh, it certainly sounded like he was wanting to instill some responsibility on them. He says a lot of it just gets coached and coached and coached, and then they then they just think for themselves. What he was trying to what he's trying to instill was kind of what you were saying about Cam McGill and sixty seventh minute Barcelona. Kind of play what's in front of you as well. Work it out as you go along because sure. that's the only way you'll you know develop some sort of intelligence on the park. If you're always waiting for someone to tell you what to do, there's a, there's a problem. We were always taught over there, you know, coaching is done during the week, making mistakes is Saturday. Mm-hmm. Obviously, first team games are slightly different because you don't want to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. As part of youth development, your coaching piece is during the week. You know, how do you learn to ride a bike? You went outside and rode a bike and made mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like what the reserves are doing. You know, by the end then, I went on about player driven, coach driven, player driven. It's that season. Everything was player driven from players. I just said, start back, watch them. When you go, show me. So every session was from them for the first two weeks. And then it turned around where the coaching piece came in. I just wanted to coach, coach, coach. So for the next six weeks, it was how do we build, how do we press? And that was an important piece because I knew that they were pure effort, wanted to do better than each other. And then by the end of the season, you know, in the games, albeit we, we played Hamilton, a really you know strong reserve team up there, fully mm-hmm. <laughs> first team players, they killed us for now. Uh, it was a huge learning curve. And we needed to be beaten up because we hadn't been beaten up all season. Mm-hmm. And then we played Hibs, fairly experienced team, but we were more than a match for Hibs. Okay. And then it became, you know, they were actually identifying problems when on the pitch. Right. I love that. I could mm-hmm. just address it at half time. Yeah. You know, and I could get up and coach now and again with them, but it was like, what do you go? And then actually the last game against Raith Rovers, although they went 1 0 down in the first minute, I knew they were going to win the game. I really did. And sometimes mm-hmm. a coach, you get that feeling. To your point, when you go 1 0 down, are you going to win it? Mm-hmm. I knew. Because it was a player-driven team. They knew exactly what they were doing and knew how to, how to get goals. And the way they were pressing that night and the way they played was just unbelievable at times. But that comes from three months of, you know, understanding what we want. And that was important because can we filter this, you know, from our youngers? And then when it comes to the summer, you know, the idea is to, to, to get them to play this way as well. What's that assurance? And I know you kind of get them for the chairman and all that, but it would seem like a fairly patient guy. I mean, I, I take it you and Steve have got some sort of assurances that will be patience for the board to, to try and instill this, or you must have a vibe about it. I don't know, you know, and it's a, it's a thing, you have no guarantees in the position you're in. We're here to do a job and, you know, and tell it all differently. It's fine, there's no, you know, long-term guarantees in it. It was, you know, here we go, and I think where the club's at, it makes sense to, to, to appoint us because... We've Steve did a massive part in Falkirk bringing that arts. Mm-hmm. You know he's seen it, done it before. Uh, he gets it, and obviously I've had the the, the experience I've had out there by putting players through the academy system in the first teams, and a lot's different over there. We understand it, and, and I only want to bring players to this club. And I'm talking about the younger players, and, and pro efforts to the first team players as well. That it follows through that we want to bring players to the club. There are younger players potentially good enough to play in a first team, mm-hmm. and older players or younger older players yes. that are hungry, ambitious, want to move on, 
or want to give it all for their family yeah. first and foremost. That's a priority. And usually when you talk to somebody, you can work them out on a really, really good judge of character. Um, but there's no naivety in that. You know, it's, it's who you believe and who you trust. Mm-hmm. And ultimately that fil- filters through from the, from the board as well. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, we're going to have our ups and downs, yes. as anybody does, and it's everybody's a, a rocky road. Hopefully we over that, the rockiest one. Uh, and then we can move on, and as I say, transition's a big, big, big thing, and obviously the supporters and everybody else has to get behind what we're doing and understand the importance of it. And, you know, what's the expectation level? The expectation level well for Tom Fleming's always high, mm-hmm. as it is with us. Mm-hmm. It does change. Um, and regardless how good our start is or how could have done this. You know, it don't matter if it's a philosophy from myself and Stevie will still remain the same and this is how we want to do it because, you know, you start doubting yourself or thinking another way. It's just, it's not the right, the right thing. If you're preaching what you want to do and it's not going to work, then you've got a problem, right? Aye. I always say I don't, I don't, I don't read any newspapers. I said that before. I don't go on .net forum. I only tweet. I only tweet. I don't care what anybody else says, anybody else thinks. Mm-hmm. I fully believe in myself mm-hmm. and others uh, and what we're doing. And uh, that's a priority, first and foremost. I guess that was the question I was going to ask, though, that, that obviously after such a good run and then such a, a bad run at the end of the season, was there any doubt with you and Stevie that the board were going to say thanks very much, but we'll, we'll go in a different direction? Maybe. Maybe. Um, I think there's a, a lot there, and, and I go on to, you know, the, the group we had were a really good, they were a good group of you guys sitting down and talking to, mm-hmm. you know, and I think looking at the performance on the pitch was, you know, at, at times it was very lacklustre, um, and that was a disappointing piece because, you know, and that can be a catalogue of things, you know, it, it may be, you know, do some of them really want to win a tackle because they're out of contract in the season? <laughs> it's as brutal as that. Is no, I've heard these, these things said like that. These questions go through my mind as well. Yeah. Like, it's very hard to gauge and, you know, are they putting enough in and whatever, but ultimately that's a reflection on us. Sure. And, and these things you don't get in your coaching licences, they don't get in your pro license, you don't get in your A license, that sometimes you're dealing with an indi- or individuals that, that want to move on or mm-hmm. maybe get a vibe they're moving on mm-hmm. and the mentality then changes towards the group and obviously the push for playoffs then peters down because some players maybe know they're not they've got wind or whatever not from us that they're not getting a contract yeah. and they think well maybe I've done tools you know maybe there was a sense of that I'm not you know that, maybe and that's all they the, don't get me wrong I have so many sleepless, sleepless nights about you know our players why they do that great you know, the next night's a rocky one. It's just part and parcel of being a coach. Aye. How can we make this place better every single day? And, and we lose so many sleepless nights over this. We talk about it all the time. It's just part of being a coach at a club that have got expectation levels that of a Premier League team, mm-hmm. which rightly so. And um, it's up to us to, to have a say in getting them, them back there. And whatever happens with us, you know, good or bad, as long as we leave the club, you know, in a better place, than what it was when we got it. Mm-hmm. And I mean that. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, whether it's we move off elsewhere, we stay for the rest of their life and then we, we, we you know, we end up getting thrown out of the place. Aye. As long as the club's in a better place than we got it. And that's what we say, we'll leave everything there for people that uh, that come in. Yeah. As long as it's in a better place. I think that's it on firm and heart coming out and sounds a bit cheesy, but no. that's the truth. It really is the truth. No, that's good. I'm passionate, I take pride in my work, I want to do well, I can't you know, I can't fail. So <laughs> it's me. 
other thing that's been a kind of constant in the podcast is talking about Scotland. Uh, seem to have done something fairly smart and appointed Steve Clark. <laughs> It's, it's, it's the oddest thing that they, they've, they've done it and everyone seems quite positive about it. Mm-hmm. No, they do. I think it's how good a job he's done command it. Well, obviously, yeah. It's, you said it last night in the interview, it's similar, but it's, <laughs> see, it's similar when I first got command it because, you know, they went into detail in his interview and I thought, this guy's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's the first time I've really heard him talk. And he, he seemed a little bit different than what you see on TV after the command again. Yeah. There was a lot of humour about him as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he understood the role and he wanted wanted players that that wants to play for Scotland. Mm-hmm. And he said he opened the door to players that have you know shunned in the past because they've retired. If they want to come at retirement, he will not chase them. Yeah, which I really like because mm-hmm. he's taking control of the whole situation. This is what I want, and this is what the country needs. I mean, I'm sure with you know who who's coming through in the, the youth just now with Scotland, I they've got to be what they were. Aye. Well, so it's certainly when you look at the sort of core of players that he has, there's, there's, there is some some hope there. And, and even what was it called, the Nations League. Mm-hmm. Some good performances there as well. You know, James Forrest, for instance, uh, getting us through that game against Israel. You've got like McTominay coming through, obviously. Uh, Andy Robertson, that little Liverpool tyranny at Celtic and all that. You know, you, you, can, must, you can must off a good half a dozen of them that you know should form the, the, the core of the Scotland team moving forward, even Armstrong. Uh, Looked a really good player when he first came in the Scotland team. Uh, there is there is hope. It's just that uh, that Kazakhstan performance came out of nowhere. What's that? You're struggling to mention Scotland. Really. <laughs> <laughs> but you support uh, you support there's only, enough, there's only enough disappointment that one brain can take. Greg. There you go. You're Friday. <laughs> struggling to think of centre backs for Scotland. That's the problem. But plenty of left backs and, and things like that. That's right. That's right. And that's, I mean, that's to me, that's indicative of the, the way the team's been going, though. I used to know, I could have told you the old Scotland squad. I've just lost track of it. Yeah. It's just, it's, old it's, age. it's too depressing. It's old age. And there's been a lot of turnaround as well, right? Yeah. Management wise as well, it's been yeah. tough. And it just needs a little bit of stability. Hopefully, Steve Clark can yeah. bring it back. Conscious of time, right? I was just going to go through your career. My friend is Wikipedia and soccer base, so if any of this is incorrect, it's not my fault. <laughs> started off at Gairdock United. That's family, right, yeah. Which I believe is in... Cardishore. Yeah, Falkirk area. Uh, so you, you played there and you picked up by Rangers at what age? I think it was U14. Okay. I, I actually signed for Rangers the day Graham Sooners left. Right, okay. <laughs> you just waited for him to go. Okay, go on. <laughs> I don't know how it was... Weird. I remember saying nice forward with Arthur Stevenson way back then, so whatever date that was, mm-hmm. maybe I was 14, 1990. And that was it. You know, I was, I figured out to Salvas and someone from Cardinal Jordan, Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. I used to drive him back and forth to Edinburgh <laughs> two or three times a week. It was before the daisy expenses. <laughs> and I know how hard it was for her, you know, coming up and doing what she did. And obviously, my dad was out working all the time. I had a great time of two years in Edinburgh. I actually played for Dunfermline in the game. I was talking to Steve about it the other day. Because he came up here, I don't think off on the contract, and he, he left. Mm-hmm. I came here, and it was Davy Hodge. And I played out there, the old stadium. I'm pretty sure I was probably about 89, 90. And it was Dunfermline against Spurs. And the boy Barry Sellers, who's assistant in Thorfer, Mm-hmm. He played for Spurs, mm-hmm. and Barry was unbelievable. He was like Charlie Moore. He was like 
way beyond everybody else. Right. I remember the took the piss out of me. He was all over me, and I thought, oh my God, I'm playing the wrong game. I'm playing the wrong game. What am I doing? I put centre mid against him. Right. And I never felt so down. You know, I said, what? How on earth is he that good? And I'm nowhere near. And whether he was an early developer, I was a later developer. I don't know. It must have been that cusp of you know bigger frame body. But mm-hmm. Barry's quite a small guy. Right. He's one of the biggest of guys. But what player he was. And I don't know what happened. I just you know having grew up and being a Rangers supporter when I was growing up. I went in Dundee with um, John Blackley. So I met John Blackley at a golf thing last week. And the first real time I've seen John Blackley since I told him I was going to Rangers. My mum used to drive me over to Reading in Falkirk for John Blackley to pick me up. Mm-hmm. So John Blackley would take me to Edinburgh, right, to Pelham, to Jerry Pelham. And during every Easter holidays or whatever, we'd go up to Dundee. So he'd take me up, drive me up to the morning, go to Dundee, I'd train with them every day, clean the boots, whatever, and go and was. Billy Kirkwood was actually the reserve coach right. in Dundee at the time, during that year. And I remember Rangers and Celtic were sniffing around at the time and I was in training with them uh, Pair of Rangers shorts on. And I said, You gotta go in there with a pair of Rangers shorts on. They were really off the eye. So I went and I signed my Rangers in the end. Um, but I remember calling up John Black and I said, Look, I am really sorry. I have to go with who I supported as a kid. Yeah. I feel bad saying that now, but I was a Rangers supporter. Uh-huh. But when you're a younger boy and you, you're, you're you know, brainwashed <laughs> to, to support Rangers. Yeah. Um, and it was obviously your father's dream for you to play for, you know, Rangers. Unfortunately, I did. Um, we crossed paths with Billy Kirkwood again during that time, but it broke my heart telling John Blackley. And when I saw him at the golf last week, I told him that I never felt so sad speaking to because I really respected John Blackley, a massive influence in my career. Uh-huh. Great guy, good man. Obviously, went to Rangers. Played Champions League football. Got lucky. Got lucky. A lot of injury suspensions and you know we were he was Walter Smith was forced to play us mm-hmm. wasn't through you know we wanted to play you it was you know I wouldn't have been there though if you, if you didn't have to play so. well that's right you look at it both ways it was a huge yeah. learning piece for me plus it was a gamble you know they, they, me and Scott Wilson played and it was I remember it was my third game his first game playing against that so, oh my god doing the warm up and we're running back and forth and the warm up tours were like oh is there any more people coming <laughs> I think my coach was biased. He says, Don't you worry about it, boys. There'll be 50 million people watching. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm playing against all the I can't remember. I think he played against Clive or Barbara and Gira. I don't know who it was. And it was just it was just unbelievable. But I think the pure adrenaline as a young boy, the naivety mm-hmm. of the occasion, mm-hmm. gets you through that game. And you look back and, you know what? I walked away with my jersey, stupidly, I should right. jersey at the time, right. I was very proud, I, I, I never swapped jerseys, I wanted to keep my jersey, I yeah. never asked Henrik Larsson or Brian Lauder for a jersey because I thought, I'm going against these guys, I don't want a freaking jersey, right. yeah. but when you look back and reflect on your career, maybe something I should have did because I don't really have a lot to show for who you put against or, you know, what you've done, and that was just the start, it was a great time, you know, we played, well, Rangers played Ray Throwers on the Saturday after that Tuesday game and the tours were bombed. Well, what? A 19 year old just playing a game of Rangers against Ajax and a bomb for Ray Throwers. We couldn't see that at the time. Right. The, the, if we'd played against Ray Throwers that day, we would have went out and had an absolute nightmare because mm-hmm. the highs and lows of football, playing against Ajax, to, you know, coming down and put a Kirkcaldy in front of you know, a third of the crowd. Mm-hmm. It was 
good management for Watersmith. Mm-hmm. You know, really, really good manager. I liked playing under him. It was a great ground. He had Walter Archie, David Dodge, John McGregor, Billy Kirkwood. You know, really good guys. I'm probably part of a Dundee United, Man United. Yes. You know, era that was driven, hard-ass coaches who were after you. I said to the, the reserve boys when I was on the top one time, I said to them that, you know, gone are the days where you can walk in at half time and you're terrified to have eye contact with the coach because it he'll he'll kill you with his eyes. Mm-hmm. And that was the Rangers times. Although I didn't mind that I was never one that shirked away from, you know, somebody getting on at me, I would always took on the chin and tried to respond. Gone are the days, the game's evolved so much and Rangers part of that time was that you know you, you couldn't lose to whoever because you were Rangers <laughs> and that was great upbringing that I had there it was just the the understanding the importance of how to work hard every single day because somebody wanted your jersey and you know throughout my career I don't think I could have been any better and I'm, somebody said that to me you're modest I said I'm not modest I'm being honest mm-hmm. I didn't play for Scotland because I wasn't good enough I played two games in the English Premier League and I never played 30 because I wasn't good enough mm-hmm. I played at the level I played at because I maximised fully my potential. I did. And uh, I take great pride in saying that. Mm-hmm. And although I felt I worked too hard, <laughs> I'm contradicting myself a little bit, I remember coming away from the Thurman train. I used to train my gang in Thurman, I'm not going to name his name. And at the time I'd go see a Smith gym on a Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. was, or Gerardini was kind enough to give me access to the gym during that time. And um, I'd go in the public park as well and do hill reps in the public park just to get quicker. Mm-hmm. I was 29 year old. And I was thinking, what am I doing? And did it have an impact on how you play on a Saturday? And as a player, the mind, the mindset of you doing well that Friday, you do the same routine the following Friday, the following Friday, the following Friday. Yeah. The days where you didn't know what load you did during the week until the Friday, or you weren't on a heart rate monitor, nobody you know, assessed how you did. <laughs> so when I look back I think God I was absolutely crazy maybe that's why I had so many injuries or had injuries I had in the last part of my career because yeah. I overworked I overtrained mm-hmm. you know pre-season training I was always down at Petrivi always down at Petrivi every morning because I couldn't train with anybody else I was a freak mm-hmm. <laughs> and I look back in that and I think myself I was far too serious as a player although I loved hanging out with the boys I was very single minded I was always thought I was right, mm-hmm. and now I can see past that, and maybe being the coach that you know I am, and you can see it differently. Mm-hmm. But I was who I was because I maximised everything I had. That's yeah. what I was going to say. You look back and say that, but you're obviously whatever mindset you needed to be that fit to have the confidence to go out and do what you were doing. So it obviously worked for you. You had a good career. It did. It did. And, you know. Never quite enjoy a burger, a pint, a pizza, a fry, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't used to it. Um, but it's just part of it. Uh, you joined the Pars in 97. How did that come about then? Did you just make the decision that it wasn't quite going to happen for you at Rangers? Or? I think at the time with Rangers, I remember doing pre season, and um, Tommy Waller Nielsen was the sports science guy at the time. And he. he I remember doing the runs, but these crazy runs he brought in, and I thought, different. And then they're signing Sergio Parini, they're signing Lorenzo Amoruso. Mm. And I thought, behind Alec Cleland, Stephen Wright was also there, I'm maybe fourth or fifth in line for a game. Mm. And see, when you taste playing first team football, especially in front of your 55,000, you won every single week. Yeah. It becomes a drug. Mm-hmm. And 
I can't remember how it came about. I remember playing Falkirk at Brockville in the reserve game. And I played centre back. And I knew Dick was at the game after it, Dick Campbell. And I, I never twigged. I never thought I still had years left in my contract at Rangers. <laughs> and I got a phone call, I think it was Kirk or John McGregor, or that. I can't remember who it was, and they said, Look, Don Fellman, I'm coming for you. Do you want to go? And I didn't even think about it. I said, Yes, I want to go. <laughs> because I knew then that I, I had to play. Yeah. And I, I think it was up within an hour. We took it And you know, I'd met Dick in, in there. I think that was maybe holiday. I can't remember. And I remember meeting Paul DeMille at the time and trying to get a, a finalise a deal with him. You know, so as it worked out, I mean, the, the club was you know a lot different than what it is now. Yes. Uh, a lot of good people there as well and it was the start of me right? I had to say the earlier the Arnold Cumbria situation I, I had to prove that I could actually do this Yes. Mm-hmm. and I never actually realised I'd made it as a professional footballer until probably midway through that season midway through I, I never missed a game for two years Aye. I absolutely loved it being in the town you know you could feel the the, the vibe, you could hear it, you were part of it, mm-hmm. any do, night out, whatever, it was, the culture was unbelievable, mm-hmm. I thought, and that was driven by the, the, the coaching staff and who was above that at, at the time, and it was, a, you know, a really, really, really good club. Um, the club had a lot of experienced players, mixed with youngers, mm-hmm. and I went on about the Andy Smith, me Andy Smith was getting capped for Scotland during that time, and mm-hmm. we had Jerry Britton, we had, you know, George Shaw, we had Greg Shaw, who would, was falling away because he was injured, uh, with Peter Moore and you know with Bingham Dan Beamans and you know these guys and Dan Beaman was a fan's favourite obviously I came in and then Beaman was out and I'm playing so you had that to deal with and obviously I had to perform week in week out but I don't know you know I was just I wanted it I wanted to, to play for them film and I really enjoyed it and I think see when you're away from the old firm and until you actually play with the old firm and you, you move on I don't care about Rangers or Celtic anymore. Uh-huh. And I think that you always support us now as you listen to what goes on and what else is all about? Whoa, what is this? Mm-hmm. And it comes on pretty quickly. I didn't care. It didn't bother me. Yes. I yeah. wanted to play for my family. I wanted to do well for the club and I wanted to make the club some money. And obviously at the end of the two years, I think I had a year left. I'm not sure. And then better left in, in the Christmas time and Dick had took the job on and or Dick off the job and I love playing under Dick I really did because I learned so much it was a grounding for me the stuff I got at Dunfermline when I came from Rangers was I didn't get the how to defend piece because I was playing next to Richard Goff and the first team Richard Goff had me in a joystick <laughs> you go here there there they go, okay no problem nah. I felt like I could not do anything on my own because mm. he had me you know where he wanted me yeah and he was slower I could cover him because I was quick you know it was one of the ones go, go here I'll go for you know, and it was just it was like easy because when you got it you get the ball to Brian Landrop or you get the ball to Paul Gaskin <laughs> you get what you interact or you get what you shoot the call or you get what you it was just simple yeah. right? because nobody was as good as you and um, <laughs> it was just 
when I came here, I remember Dick says to me, why on earth are you so wide from the balls on the other side? I said, I don't know, this is what they do. They <laughs> <laughs> went, oh my God, we've got a problem. You can't do the same as what you can do here because you're not playing. And I was like, okay, right, let's go. So he had me out afternoon after afternoon. And, you know, a lot of part of my development is, you know, and I'm no more smoked up Dick's ass. It's just, this is, it was part of my grounding. Aye. I had to become a better defender because I was at Dunfermline. Just going to say yes. But I wanted to be. A, there's a difference between had to want. Right. That was the thing. I think I had was I wanted to do it because I knew I, I wanted to be a professional. I really did. Yeah. I wanted to make yeah. it work. You wanted to play. Um, and you know, at the last part, I became a, a decent player. I always say the first time at the was my best time. Aye. I became wiser. Whatever this season under Leishman, we probably get to that. I mean, I would have played. I don't know. Or, Central um, as a sweeper, I thought I did really well there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dick came to me and says, We want to offer you a new contract. This is like, I think it's the right time for me to go. I think I can, I think the conversation was we could, you know, could still make the club some money and, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. just sell me. Um, and I kept on playing, and, you know, now I obviously came up and I went down there and it was the rest was history. Yeah. Um, is that big a difference giving it to Brian Wildrip and Paul Gascoigne or Richard Huxford and Jamie Squires? I was going to say that's a wee bit harsh. Uh, you know, I didn't mind that. I always know Richard. Richard's out in, in America. Uh, I remember Jamie Squires as well. When he came up for him with the press and whatever. Um, but the club, you know, they were signing players at that time that, you know, weren't, weren't unrecognised. It seemed to change focus from uh, what they had to, to getting guys from down south and it didn't seem to work as well and that was being a mid-table Premier League team to being a bottom yeah, Premier League yeah. team and yeah. we get the same interest from players and whatever we want on. You know, I can remember for myself you know, I enjoyed playing I really did the biggest part of that was being Celtic 2-1 being 3-0 down here against London at half time yeah. against the wind <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> coming out the same half and drawing 3-3 mm-hmm. great days and we actually could have won, won, won a chance in the end I don't know if it was Nen Beeman or whatever I remember it. Motherwell, latter part of the season, I think, winning 3 1, I think, at Motherwell, or 2 1, or whatever, two games, three games to go to. Jay Britton score? I can't remember. Andy Smith definitely scored. Right. It was to finish sixth or something. Uh, yeah. It was just these teams blow us, Motherwell secures it, and it was just that piece of, you know, they can burn on a lot of things as well. I mean, I remember being in the Gladiator Inn, players, wives, everybody came down there, and they had this. Big beam across the floor, we were like pillows. Like, what on earth's going on here? All right, shield you, you're up. You're fighting against George Shaw's boy. So I've got this friggin' pillow on a pillow. The pillow on like the player's wife to try to get her off the beam. Hey, we move on. But some of the nights, you know, it's great nights. And I go back to Mohan's pub, you know, on the lap part, they'd be the team, the time through 2004, 2005, where, you know, I was all about having fun when I was wanting to have fun. And we'd hire the big ring, put it in the most pub, and we'd get a huge sumo suits with it. <laughs> big massive gloves. And we'd all put about this thing with the sumo suits and knocking crap out of each other. Just really, really good nights. Eh? I'll these, things video stick, of these things stick in your mind. I'm trying. Some great times. I got the other interviews for that. Into the Valley book, and I'm trying to think someone was talking about getting injured, and something, there was something that was a game that. I think it was maybe Chris McGrory got injured. It was some game like that. And he had to explain that. Like, 
Cup final with the two Jimmies just mm-hmm. sitting there having a beer with them. Aye. That was the real nightclub guy. I quite like just sitting in the bar and mm-hmm. having fun. It was just these things, you know, you think they last forever. They don't. Mm-hmm. They don't. And it's that warming piece of coach to player that I learned very quickly that you feel warm around the coach, mm-hmm. but there's a line. Yeah. Yeah. You can sit and talk to Jimmy Nicol all night Aye. and have some great banner. Yeah. Jimmy Nicol was fine, but. There was a time where he had to go. Ah, yeah, he was, he was the manager. Aye, and then that's what we're learning now is that we, we want the players to, to go to come to us, which they did. Sometimes they can come too much. Aye. Right? But it's, it's getting them understanding. It's the trust piece is massive, and that's where the game's evolved so much um, over the years. Just saying that, reported by 586 and a grant to Charlton, that was the season that we'd already got relegated, so... It was probably no brainer for the club and for yourself. Massive opportunity for you, but you know, a chance for the club to kind of balance books as well. Though. So, I think you probably went with everyone's best wishes. Uh, so you said you didn't, never missed a game, did you? In the entire time you were there, and you went straight into Charlton and straight in the first team. If I'm right, you pretty much established yourself in the championship. I had no clue. I remember. I had no clue when I went down to London. I thought, who in this is Alan Cubbish, the guy? Who are the players? I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I only knew Graham Stewart because of Graham Stewart obviously played the Everton, scored the penalty kick against mm-hmm. whoever to keep him up. Played at Chelsea and I didn't know. And that's where the beauty was that I had to prove who I was and yeah. it was this Scottish guy coming down who's 23 year old. Who is he? And um, the first game, it was um, the, first, the first day I had a friend I met on holiday a few years ago London. So after training, I'm calling up St. John, let's meet up. Like, all right, no problem. I'm like, Holy shit. First time I've been in London, had no clue what fate was going on. So I got one of the guys, Martin Pringle, his name is a Swedish boy. He dropped me off, right? At Blackheath train station. Training in London. Okay, it's fine. Meet my mate for, you know, a meal. Have a bit of fun. Have one back to Bexley Heath. And he says, right, you need to get in this train. And when somebody tells you you need to get this train, and there's like three volume trains coming at you, like one after <laughs> one, I jumped on the old train. So I'm all over London, and London, it's quite a scary place when you, you don't really know where you're going. And it's your first night. I'm like, oh my God, what, what happens? So I remember calling my wife and saying, oh, Lorraine, what on earth have I done? I actually got off the train. And believe it or not, the station I got off was Woolwich. And I didn't know Woolwich was next to Channel 1. Right. So I got off in Woolwich and I said, where am I going to go? And it was pitch black, half ten at night. And uh, I just sat around and I thought, oh, well, I'm in a really bad place here. <laughs> so I actually walked out of the train station. So I was going to walk out. I walked out of the train station. I looked for a taxi line. Usually, across the, there, was a ta- there was a taxi line. I got the taxi to take me to Bexley. That was my first memory. <laughs> then on the Saturday, they played Fulham. So Fulham won the championship at that time. Mm-hmm. Well, the old first division. And uh, I was on the bench. He wasn't wanting to change the lineup the week before. They beat Norwich the week before. Mm. And well, rightly so. And he put me on the bench. And I was like, it's Craven Cottage. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Craven Cottage, he changed in the corner, in a cottage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he walked in through the corner. Yeah. I think it's still like that. Mm-hmm. And this pitch was like the luscious pitch I've ever seen. It was like beautiful. And I thought, holy crap, look up, there's a Concord flying away from This is a little bit different from the film. And um, we lost the game 2-0. We were Pesha Salido, scored two goals, I think, mm-hmm. that day. 
So we're on the pitch now, and purposely says, it was at the time in England where the away fans have to stay in the ground at the yeah. end of the game because yeah. they can't mix. Mm-hmm. So he goes, right, everybody in the centre circle. I never got on. And he goes round and he goes off his nut to the boys in the centre circle. Phil Brown type. And I'm thinking, is this for the fun? I didn't think that at the time when I looked back, is it for the fans or whatever? And I was like, here we go. This is different. This is different because Jaron were not many good beat of film. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. A draw was it worse. But at the end of the games down there, what I found in, in England was that no matter how bad you are, the fans cheer you. Yeah, really? No matter how bad you are. Even you can beat 3 0, don't get me wrong, you beat 3 0 four weeks in a draw. Mm-hmm. They you, but uh. they actually applaud how you do. Mm-hmm. They're very supported, but it's just a different vibe mm-hmm. down there. They travel in their thousands to Sheffield, they travel in their thousands, and they, they are like, you know, it was very like us, the Inverness game at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Although we lost one now, the fans were very, very good. Although it was the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, you know, it's just the difference between here and down there. Yeah. And the following week, they had me in, but against Bolton, my home debut. We won the game 2 1. Clyde and Donker scored the first goal. I think it was Martin Brink who scored the second goal. Mm-hmm. And I am not kidding you, right? Our family down watching the game, mum and dad flew down, Lorraine's mum and dad flew down as well. And I can't remember if my agent came down, whatever. Everybody was there. And, and um, Andy Todd got sent off. Not Andy, the Andy Todd, Colin Todd's son. Yeah, the two, two team, yeah. yeah. He got sent off for like grabbing Graham Stewart, coming up grabbing each other by the throat. Right. So both teams are down to 10 men. And uh, any time I ran, I got the ball. Right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, is this really what this is meant to be? Because mm-hmm. you're at the film. I ran sometimes and I never got it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, holy oh crap, every time I'm running, I'm going to get the ball. So <laughs> I be actually in really good position every delivery. Uh, it was like perfect. Yeah. I couldn't have a sweeter spot on my foot. And we won the game 2 1. Mike Willow was sent off for Polaxing me, the left back for Bolton. Mm-hmm. So they went down nine men. One to get two now. I should have won the match with Boy Champagne. I thought this is easy. <laughs> so I went on a wee run, thought it was great, um, and scored the winner against Birmingham. I was just got it. I was going to say it was a crack. Was that a cracker? Is am I right? It was kind of. It was a one two the top of the boxes. We top up um, bottom corner. That's not the one I'm thinking of. Then. No, you're thinking North Forest, like belt up top corner. No. And uh, I can't remember my goals because it was. I knew there was two at Charlton. I remember uh, one for some reason. It so was just that game. My wife wasn't there and. I remember it. We were going out in London that night. <laughs> and uh, so the winner, we were top of the league for the first time. Yeah. We were sitting outside and in London they do it right. Limousines are out there waiting for you. So you walk out, limousine, stretch, players, players' wives, whatever. We're all in there drinking champagne out in London. Like, here we go. <laughs> Great fun. Um, but that was the start of it. That was the start of it. And I had a great time down there. I really did. The biggest regret down there was we played Coventry in the Cup. Um, we were 2 0 down, I think, in the space of 20 minutes. Gary Mack played, and it was a Haji Chipo, Robbie Keane yes. coming through mm-hmm. that era. Um, we were 2 0 down and won again 3 2 to take us in the quarter final of the Cup. I remember this. Me being me, I come straight back up after the game. I'd have been home for a long time. So I drove up to Scotland. I had a night out Saturday night, I had a night out Sunday night, was back in training Tuesday morning, so it gave me a little bit of leeway. So I was always one that I drive down during the night, train the next morning, yeah. I thought I was invincible. Mm-hmm. So left on Monday night, late, drove down the road, had a hard shoulder, 
not one of the ones when you're driving. <laughs> right, honestly, nah. just get, so I get down in the morning for seven o'clock. Training starts at ten. Mm-hmm. Trained normally. Last kick of the ball, pfft, and he goes. Mm-hmm. And I knew something was up. I was out for seven months. You see, I couldn't believe it. I hadn't actually torn it. I partially torn it, so it was just as bad. Right. And the rehab was just the same. And I put it down to how what my lifestyle was like. And I'm saying I was a model pro. I was a model pro, but you need to have some fun as well. I actually went out with mates and, you know, wanted to enjoy time with them. Mm-hmm. And it was just really unfortunate. And since that day, to come back, when I came back at the start of the following season, it was um, it was tough because obviously we went through that season. I had missed the, the running, missed the quarterfinal come against against Bolton, I think it was. They'd lost 2-0. They went on a great run and we won in the league with seven games to go. Mm-hmm. I think when you look at points now, there's only two points between us and Man City at that time, but we'd won it with seven games uh, to go. Yeah, we lost seven out of the last eight games. Something familiar, didn't it? <laughs> we lost seven out of the last eight games, which is down tools completely. Yeah. What's done? Whatever, holiday mode. Yeah. Um, knew we were never going to finish second and, and what? And um, to be part of that and obviously going up and winning the, the, the championship or the first division you know Liverpool used to lift up ah, it's the field trophy yeah. wasn't it it's it was like oh my god was, you know it was and I remember walking out you know limping out to get my medal and, you know the championship medal it was I felt part of it but I never really because I'd missed a lot and I, I played 32 games or something yeah. at and but it was hard to come back because money down there was ridiculous and they signed the boy Radisson Kishishev from, from Bulgaria mm-hmm. who was a full back um, he was more of a wing back better get forward than me probably not as good a defender but he played and for me to break back in the team was really tough mm-hmm. and obviously I had you know a lot of differences with Alan Corbishley that you know went against me um, and I paid the price but I think I only played two games beyond that and you did play in the Premiership you can I say did. that I did you know I was against I think Bradford and Ipswich so I don't know if that counts um, <laughs> it counts but uh, it was Ipswich had a team Ipswich though Ipswich were really uh, Stuart Marcus Stewart. aye they were really good at that time and we were no no they scored two goals in the last 10 minutes but you know we came in and everybody was good praises defenders and you know I don't want to go in there because I've ended up in trouble what happened and what not but it's the it's the most I've ever been neglected or I'm going to say the trust piece from player to coach completely went out of the window really, that yeah. week and you know he knew it I put a transfer request in the following week and it was the rest was history right, okay. um, very that was saying, my biggest regret I shouldn't have done it okay. but because that I'd always been very upfront and the coach had always been very upfront with me and when things like that get crossed it became I'm not really interested in playing for you anymore because I knew the way it was going to go. Yeah. And I'd worked so hard to come back from injury as well to get back in his team. And, you know, if I'm going to, <laughs> if I'm in a hotel one week and I'm at one side of the gym, you know, his 19th player, and he's at the other side of the gym on the treadmill and I'm on the, the bike, mm-hmm. you know, busting my ass, putting a sweat on, not exactly, I'm not going to be in the squad for the next day, but yeah. 19th player. That was where it had gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I had three years left in my contract, basically. But I think it came to the, the, the fact that I was wanting to get away, I was wanting to get out. I wasn't part of his plans, I was a bit part player. David Moyes actually called me up to, to come along to Preston. Mm-hmm. Um, I was meant to go there. 
they played Leeds in a pre-season game. Graham Alexander got injured, and he asked me up to play and come along for a month. I'd agreed. Flew back up to Kearney Hill where I was living at the time. And Alan Curbishley called me straight away and said, I need you back down for the first game of the season to play Everton. And I'm like, all right, I've got a chance of being involved here. Mm-hmm. Called David Moyes. Have to go back down the road. Deal's off. Okay. No problem. <laughs> I go back, play against Everton. I'm not even dressed. Sitting in the stand watching the game. I'm like, what the hell is this all about? Yeah. Why? Um, it was a little bit too much information, but that is exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's done now. It's <laughs> done, but that's just the, the, the position I was in and the, the lost opportunity I had to, to, to go to, um, to Preston, you know, where I felt it could have kick-started away from them. Preston were a club that obviously David Moyes went on to bigger things. Preston certainly did. Mm-hmm. They, they became a, a good English team and a lot of players moved on for them. Yeah. And I felt it was a great move for me. I went back down, got asked to go and loan somewhere, refused it, and then went on to Walsall. Walsall was good for me, um, solely because my wife was back up in Scotland with the, the youngest, with the, the oldest now. And um, I played eight games or something in a month. And it was a championship, a lower league championship team. <clears throat> and this was how stupid I was. I stayed in the hotel. I actually got the, a sickness and diarrhea bug. So I played four games. Don Goodman and all that was there at the time. I think it was Steve Corica, I remember it. Steve Corica was an Australian. Mm-hmm. What a player Steve Corica mm-hmm. was. Great player, smooth, elegant. Could, you know, see a pass, and just a pass, a player I could pass the ball all day. He's my type of player. And I'd, I'd caught a sickness in the area, but when I played in Man City at the best court stadium mm-hmm. on a Saturday. So I called Colin Lee up and I say, I've got, I bug her, I don't think I'm well. She you have to come in the stadium and get checked out. Do a fitness test. Mm. No, no, no way, I can't do a fitness test, there's no way. So I came in early and um, took a few, I don't know, dinner lights or nah. whatever it was. Did a, a um, what do you call it, a, a fitness test and I thought, I'm going to try it. Mm-hmm. And I played the game and I had an absolute stinker. Uh-huh. <laughs> I remember it, it was... Danny Ta- Tau Danny Tau the Australian guy mm-hmm. who left mid for Man City Pato, Sean Gore and all these boys and I'm like oh my god I could hardly move uh-huh. I just sat and got through it I want to say I, I stayed in bed I didn't miss about four or five days training after that right. and I kind of got back up and I played again the following week that was my thing with we Walsall I always remember it I remember puking up all over the place and I was, I was in a hotel in Walsall and I played that day and I thought I'll never ever do this again Yes, just because I wanted to keep it on going and it was a game and that yeah. was me as a person so anybody says to me I'll be stuck with some diarrhea <laughs> alright well let's go play <laughs> and what people don't know and what fans don't know right and, and Walsall actually stayed up at the end of it they used to train at Rolish Hall and at the end of it they offered me another month I agreed to stay another month and I knew Jim Jeffries was wanting me at Kilmarnock mm-hmm. and obviously knew Jim from before and he was kind of interested when he was at Harps and he I got a call out of the blue and he says you want to go to Kilmarnock and um, I, I, I had to go back to Walsall and say look I wanted to rip the bit papers up I just signed I'm going to Kilmarnock so went to Ficharowin delighted to get away for Ficharowin mm-hmm. in the end but obviously miss a lot of the players down there and you know some of the staff <laughs> But a uh, great club, 
that I just always need to be good enough in the end at Charlotte yeah. to, to cope with the day to day week to week pressure of you know the, the, the test of mentality wise of you know what went on down there but coming back to Kilmarnock and I knew that there was a place I wanted to get back to playing I was thought I was in the WAB and you know the WAB now and I could travel there back and forward yeah good club Jim Jeffries oh, yeah. Billy Brown and signed a four year contract loved it I was actually thinking of moving through to Glasgow halfway through it you know so at the crossroads do we move to Newton Mims do we move to you know Cumbernauld or whatever and try and mm-hmm. get into the Glasgow mentality of living through there yeah and went, no chance no chance <laughs> we paid a few houses but and at the start when I went there was Chris Innes and Andy McClellan there was Gary McSweegan there was Craig Dargo there was I there, there was 70 I'm trying to think who else was there that, that travelled with us Ali Mitchell and Ali Mitchell used to come for leave and pick up Rosyth in the morning and meet people at Livingston and meet him in the car he's going right in the convoy <laughs> but by the end yeah, I'd seen them all away because it was only me left mm-hmm. and Craig Darwin moved to Glasgow so in the end you know, the, the two years that I was there was well, 60 games 70 games I don't know how many I played I loved it absolutely loved it but in the end it just took its toll travelling wise and mm-hmm. when Jimmy obviously in contact here it was a no brainer to, to come with Dunfermline because I thought what a club Dunfermline uh, well we're saying they were, they were building big things there two goals in your Kelly career I know one was a fluke both against Dunfermline one was a fluke across the slewed across Marco Root week I actually celebrated like a minute. Uh, <laughs> was that East End? No, it was a Kilmarnock. Right, uh, because there's one at, I, can't, I can't remember them. But the the goal here was a great goal. Uh, um, <laughs> Kilmarnock won that day, didn't it? Because no many, three, teams, two. no many teams won at East End. Uh, uh, was that a game? The Pars were two up. Two, they were two, two one up. Uh, two one up. Two one up. <sighs> Killian three two. Yeah. Uh, it was either Boyd or McSweegan that I thought was scored against the film. Mm. In that game, I think I played a 1 2 and I whacked one in the face. Yes. I ran a top okay, corner, yeah. ran up by Scott Thompson, and I said, Get it up, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and it was hilarious. You know, I couldn't believe that I was actually saying it to him. I was pissing myself laughing because it was unlike me. I thought, What on earth am I doing up here? I'm playing right centre back over. Why have I helped him out of this side? But it was a good goal. Um, and obviously, they went on and won. The firm never ever beat Kilmarnock when I was yeah, down no. there. And, and we beat everyone. I know it was bizarre Aye. it was really bizarre and it was one of these things of we had Chris Boyd right Chris Boyd was just breaking through with yeah. Gary McSweegan who were prolific we'd soak up pressure we'd score we'd mm-hmm. go all down we'd always score mm-hmm. another one because yeah. that was the belief of the squad Steve Fulton was a great player mm-hmm. Steve Fulton was fantastic you know, maybe not the most fittest guy but no, he's oh, what a player he was it? we were fortunate you know with Alan Hood next to me Andy McLaren you had Swiggy you had James Fowler breaking through you had Peter Canelo breaking through you had Chris Innes you had Freddie Dindle young boy Sean Dillon was breaking in. plus you had Gordon Marshall goals mm-hmm. that was a really good group uh, you had Ian Durant that was still playing down again Aye. so a lot of experience there but obviously I didn't think played as good football on film and that was the reason why I wanted to come back I saw what was going on here mm-hmm. um, being local as well wanted to get back to the club and I felt like I wanted to get back and show that I'm actually a better player now than what I was. Yeah, yeah. And uh, your last game for Kelly was against Dunfermline. Uh, apparently. <laughs> You're looking at me as so that's not true. But uh, apparently your last game was for Kelly was against Dunfermline and you, you moved across and your first game was against Motherwell here. Uh, no, that came on as a sub against Motherwell. Uh, but in the first half, I, 
Aye. And we won that, and then you kept your place thereafter. That's right, yeah. But I mean, the, the major headline at the time is obviously we, we signed you, and then all the financial problems that evolved very, very soon afterwards, and you know, the, obviously there's the wage cuts and things like that. Yeah. I, I mean, that must have, it must have felt like a bit of a betrayal, that. It was. And I know Jimmy Calderwood was raging because obviously it's not it's out of his hands. He shakes hand on a deal and then it's kind of aye, and that's the the the, the hard part of it all was I never I couldn't foresee that coming. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we, we knew that Dunfermline were, were, were paying players good money in that time and um, I actually left Coman with two years running out and, and, and took a, a cut to come here. Yes, obviously I was travel wise was was a lot more beneficial, but. Possibly to come back to the film and play for them, yeah. first and foremost. And you know, and they were the first team I looked out for. You know, when I was down south, we confirmed for the result, and I knew a lot of the players there and kept us from from week to week. And it was disappointing. I was shocked, as you do. Yes, but obviously things got ironed out, and we papered the cracks for the time being. And the two Jimmy's must have done a hell of a job to keep all that going and get the I team to the cup final. It was a squad he had. Because mm-hmm. I was going to bring that up as well. It was a cup. You played one, you played one game in the cup for Kilmarnock and it meant you were cup tied for the... I actually had done my knee before. Ah, well, you were saying you would have missed the game anyway, but I... And I, I didn't want to miss the game. I never thought I'd film And I, I knew sort of that I'd film was maybe going to happen, but mm-hmm. I thought I'd want to play anyway because of course, I didn't think I'd want to get cup final. It was my job to play for that club. Aye. So I played in the movie Wraith. So... That was important. Uh, I can't remember the following week was I against the Thurman. Maybe it was it was Kilmarnock. I'd like to check that. Aye. Aye. I, I, I checked and it was on the internet as well. Like your two goals for Kilmarnock were against Dunfermline mm-hmm. and your last game for Kilmarnock was against Dunfermline. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, apparently so. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the thing was, like you say, you might be injured for the Scottish Cup final anyway, but that, that, that took you out the entire cup run. And you yeah. played just about every other game. You, you played when we won at Parkhead. Uh, Jimmy Calderwood and Jimmy Nick were very good at... Well, Jimmy Calderwood, obviously, was a coach, but he was very good at having his nucleus mm-hmm. of these nine players are playing every single week. If they have an absolute stinker, that's fine. But if they have a stinker three games in the drop, they won't play. Okay. But he would rotate two of them. So everybody would know who's nine were who the two nibbies are okay. so there will be four players that would be coming in and out and that was the beauty of it the, the cohesion and you know the relationships between me and Barry Nick or you know I only came for six months here, but Barry Nick was an easy player to play with yes. he thought I was an easy player because we knew each other for Rangers days yeah. I knew Scott Wilson Scott Wilson knew Skerma he had Scott Thompson as well either played midfield or, or, or left back then you got Mason Dan Young that were you know understood the roles. Daniel was a box-to-box player, Gary Mason was an hour older. Then mm. you had Brewster Crawford up front. It was easy. Yes. <laughs> Wide left was a problem position because we never really had anybody. It was David Grant and it was... Bullen kind of played more left behind, didn't they? But Aye, or Gary Dempsey maybe floated around there. Yeah. Yeah. Or Noel Hunt at times. I don't know, but it was just a good group of boys. Derek Young as well. Derek Young. Derek Young. Yeah. There you go. So there's the positions I'm saying. You know, mm. we're... How does it fit? So it was a, it was an easy team to come in and play for because that was the way that I quite enjoyed playing. I thought um, now we're probably different now looking back. 
It's a nice team to watch as well. Mm-hmm. Looking back, it was. It was a great team to watch, but finances dictate that. Of course, during that time, they couldn't afford it. They got, back got, in we it. got Brewster at the, at the right time, and Aye. obviously him and Stevie did really, really well together, and they were prolific mm-hmm. together. But you said I'd forgotten when you were talking about the cup final, all the players that were missing, and then you look at obviously young Darren Lebon came in, did great until that Don't mistake, and then that was that. Mm-hmm. Uh, both kind of Scottish Cup finals, but you look at we had the absolute first eleven we could have put out. I think maybe we got across the line in one of them. I think so. Certainly, two thousand four one, mm. without a doubt. Um, I think we, we actually I think we beat Celtic two weeks before that. Ah, Parkhead three weeks before that. We yeah. Barry next scored. And, and they wanted to win that because that was the day they lifted the trophy. So oh. it wasn't as if they were on holiday. Yeah. Or I mean, they were gutted lifting the trophy and getting beaten. Great right. day. That day. And, we had a chance, but if the 2014 played the Celtic team in 2007, I, mean, I know football doesn't work that way, because that wasn't as good as Celtic team. The Celtic team that beat you in the that beat us in the Scottish Cup final were the FA Cup no, final was, team. Jimmy Johnson team. Wasn't it? Uh, that was the that was the League Cup. Was the Jimmy Johnson one? Uh, uh, the League Cup will come to in a minute as well. But yeah. uh, that 2014 were obviously probably the best unfairment team in, in, in my lifetime uh, then obviously finances happened Calder and, and, and Nick will leave David Hay takes over and a bit of a disaster yeah it was a tough piece because I think you go from the two generations where everybody wanted to be part of didn't want to go home mm-hmm. my wife used to always say to me yeah we're going to come home we'd be down there playing table tennis we'd be down there whatever just having fun yeah. and it wasn't the manager it was the players that actually wanted to stay there because yeah. this was home yeah. it was, and then as a new coach comes in you always get the players that say well this didn't happen under the two Jimmies absolutely not getting that the regime changes right and it's yeah. the, the younger more inexperienced players that you know loved the two Jimmies it was uh, and they, they don't understand that Times changed, and I think we took a little while getting used to that as well because they were set in their own ways, and this is how they do it. Yeah, and it was so rigid. And then the change comes, players start to leave. You know, other players, there's vibes of them going to Aberdeen, so maybe they want to go to Aberdeen, yeah. or, you know, whatever. So it became a little bit unsettled. I remember it was Stephen Tosh, I think, came out at the time when there was Dunfermline administration, and he said, Dunfermline maybe will be able to handle it, was a press, not getting a win bonus to now because mm-hmm. he stopped all win bonuses he says but when it does settles he says they'll suffer for it yeah and not they would play for a win bonus mm-hmm. some do depending on their contracts right yeah. but at the end of the month or the end of the week as well when you're, you're seeing your paycheck you, you, you're judged by how you do and if you're not getting anything for you win it yeah. it doesn't knock on the effect how you play right and I always remember it and I thought this guy's talking like crap yeah so, you know, he's, that actually makes sense mm-hmm. Oh, you take something away for someone. It's like deflated. Oh, of course. And when people sign contracts that are based upon, you know, give that one the win bonus mm-hmm. and they don't get that, it certainly helps and it becomes a, a chore for some as well. And I think that's the way it went with DBA. Uh, and obviously we never got off to a good start. No. That's half enough your was it? Uh, well, I had... Anecdotally, I've heard kind of mostly nice things about David Hayes saying he was a decent bloke and the training was actually all right. I mean, a lot of the things that the fans were throwing about seems to be not true, but the, the half and a third thing was the, the yeah. what was almost like on the coffin right at the start. Especially losing a goal in the last minute. Aye. Yeah. You know, and, and obviously, playing up was in Johnson. But David Hay, 
absolute gentleman. Aye, that's what lovely guy. And you know, he had Paul Hegarty, he had Billy Kirkwood, two good assistants. And Craig Robertson was there as well. So he had a lot of guidance and people that could help him. But I think Davy suffered because of the squad he inherited. Oh, totally. Um, with what they had been through. Mm-hmm. I really do. And the expectation of the fans for what they've been watching Absolutely. as well. And the, the, the European thing is a problem. Uh, and the thing is, that that team are a better team than anyone would have given them credit for. When you looked at them, oh, you looked at the boy that you were playing against, uh, Spurs. Alfredson. No, Alfredson, he went to Spurs, and now I don't know where he's playing now. Good player. Oh, I remember the teacher girl, oh my God, who's this guy? Played in, uh, played in Italy and things like that. He played, right. played numerous That's times right. for Iceland. He's a, he's a great yeah. player. He was kind of linked with them for a long time, and I always kind of followed his career, because I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. And there's another boy, another one, that was a good player as well. Uh, but I always, I always remember it. Up at St Johnson, uh, it looked like we were in control of that, but they actually moved Alfredson in the middle, kind of gave him a freer role because he was obviously the, the talent there. He, he completely skinned me over there, but up at St Johnson, I actually thought I did well against any move position because mm-hmm. yeah, I was really aware of him after it. I thought, mm, this guy's got something about him, and you knew then he was going somewhere after that. Right. He, was, he, he did well, but that was that was so tough because we'd went down in Iceland. Weather got, the storm, eh? We got back into it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I took a ball, I kind of Craig Brewster that night, I remember it, just he kept him, just give me the ball, just pass the ball. <laughs> and it, as when you become a little frustrated and you just, sometimes you just can't do it. Because uh, I just can't pass the ball straight. Mm. I can't do it. And I think it was the weather that night in Iceland as well. It was completely different from the weather we've had. It was 85, uh, whatever it was, it was surreal. It was just roasting, and we walked from the hotel to the stadium, and that was a bit different as well. Ah, right, okay. Um, but the way it panned out, we got lucky that night, and we, mm-hmm. we so called dodged a bullet, but we never in the end no. we got our what we deserved. I, was, I remember Scott Thompson, I think he played centre midfield, and I remember just coming off, trudging off that night, and just looking totally disconsolate. And it was just like a this wasn't this wasn't meant to happen, like you said. But we came away two two, and everyone was fine. Yeah, still thought everyone was fine when it went up in, in Perth. And it was, obviously, we did sort of wasn't it quite the team we were the year before. But you think well, we'll get through this round, we get another trip, and all that. And I, I, I think that I did feel sorry for Davy here that night because he was going to get the blame for it, but it's not really his fault. You know, the the the, the, the first goal was a total defensive. Oh, that was a bolt flying up in there, and then the second goal was a handball. That's right, aye. I mean, first one, first one was where Skerla was Skerla sliced up in there. So, and obviously, well, he actually he got things back on track, but then Brewster left to go up to Inverness, and then we barely won a game after that till he got sacked. So, uh, I suppose you can stand in his way, but Crawford had already left. It's a big cult like Brewster going October time, and it turned out that way. Obviously, Leishman comes in. Saves the day. I was actually injured then, and I was out, and I remember it going away for the game against Livingston, Davy Hayes' last game, mm-hmm. and we lost 2 0. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was dying on that day. I was just dead. dead. And then Leach comes in, and um, I think anything at that point, you know, would have injected a little bit of life into the club. Yeah, yes, we, yeah. we did have good players who obviously showed. In that time, it was Gary Mason went in the night and Gary Mason scored, didn't he? Up at Tannadice. Um, I'd argue it was Mark Kerr that scored that. But. <laughs> was it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it kept us up, right? Oh, that was, uh, the Dundee game was, was it the Dundee, nah, Dundee game? Was game was five minutes. The swing was massive. Amazing. And the psychological mental side of it was just 
from the players that Dundee think in their safety to then who was it that went down that year? Dundee, Dundee. Was it Dundee? Yeah. Aye. Their keeper would be suited, I think. I don't know. I didn't have a name like that. Derek Young got a hat trick. Derek Young got a hat trick. And a sombrero. That's right, aye. Right, I went to the North West and got a sombrero. That's a different game, because that was for that was when they qualified for Europe. Oh, right. Nah, right. So, but. Oh, well. It was. And I think the following season under Leash, I really enjoyed that season. I did. That was the season before Stephen Kenny came mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So he had, at least had a year and a half, didn't he? Aye. Because they started off badly. We won at Parkhead out of absolutely nowhere. Yes, we got us. Dalglish had scored for Livingston to put us bottom of the league. 30 yard Aye. And uh, Dalglishman was getting sacked, and I thought we were going to be about seven and nine. And, and then we went and, like, St. Greg Ross scored at Parkhead, and Aye. we ended up winning. And we, we actually had quite a good end to the season, and we looked right. at it. Aye. Apart from Celtic got their own back when I they came think here. That season there. Personally, I actually thought I had a really, really mm-hmm. good season that year. I played sweeper. Um, but to, to, to outline that, we, we went at Parkhead. We got to be 8-1 at East End Park after that, but you didn't play. Who was that against? But no, Celtic, Celtic came here. Then, but once we'd beaten the Parkhead, they came, to, they came to East End and won 8-1. Uh, but you didn't play. Right. So you must have... It's not me and them. It's not. It's all us together. <laughs> <laughs> it's Brent, Brent Halliwell, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he saved a ball that day, unfortunately. Neil Lennon died. That was another one. I left I it, I left it, it 7 1. You know, like a, a ball right across the green? Aye. First ball ever. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And, and Maloney scored a scissor kick. I think I left after Lennon Aye. scored, and I had 8 from going when I was halfway down Holby's Road. Yeah. And we actually equalised that. Aye, we did. I thought I've got a chance here. But that, that was the problem. We'd beaten them apart. Yeah, we got beat one 0 here, and then we went to we played the League Cup final about three weeks later. And Englishman kind of got a bit spooked by uh, what might happen. Plus, he didn't even really have a striker. No one got injured at the hotel, did he? I don't know what happened. But... <laughs> I was just as surprised as you because Andy Campbell played, right? Yeah. Uh, well, he was on the pitch. Uh, yeah. Million pound player. <laughs> 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 it's, it's true. Scored, scored, scored the winner in a playoff final for Stradiff, didn't it? Fair enough. But I didn't do much here. Aye, so that, but yeah, you're right. We finished the season really well, and then obviously the, the, the next season didn't go well at all. And then Lishman, Lishman had to go, and Stephen Kenny came in yeah. for the oddest season in Dunfermline history, just about a recent history. Uh, no, in a league game, had a great run in the cup. Aye, <laughs> it was absolutely bizarre. And then when he when he did win a league game, we, we looked absolutely fantastic. But we had Dunfermline. That was the end of the season. Ah, yeah. Since the mid Manus was playing brilliant, Hamill was playing well, Jim O'Brien was playing well. We, we looked like a, a, a huge yeah, force. Enjoyed playing with Jim O'Brien. I think the end of the season just came too early for us. No, oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. We were very unlucky that we, you know, the season ended when it did because we were, we were on the way to Remember, we beat Motherwell here 4 1. Yeah. And looked for all money that we were going That's to right. probably stay up. And, uh, I actually thought Motherwell were the team that year. Oh, that they were in danger. They were in danger. Uh, like you see, we had half a dozen more games and then. So one of those ones, eh? Then we had the cup final because we had the because the like O'Brien play. Mason got suspended. I'm remembering this right now. And then uh, McManus. I said McManus. McManus was cup tied. Mason was suspended. Uh, was there another Brian. one as well? He said O'Brien. O'Brien couldn't O'Brien play. couldn't play because he was on loan for Celtic. Yeah. Mason was suspended and. Uh, until this in the play McManus was cut tight for not even playing though that was the thing he was, he was on the bench against Queen of the South or something like that and that counted yeah. so all oh, the decent performers couldn't they play and we still gave Celtic a game mm. 82 minutes Matthias didn't be 
one goal for Celtic. It wasn't even a goal. It came off his Ah, it's hard. It's just, I don't know about shuckling in. He thought I shouldn't even be allowed. I should be half a goal at best. I watched it the other week there. I can't remember if he ran off Dan Young or whoever it was he ran off. Neil McCunney, I don't know who it was, and he came in the box and I went out in it. And I went through one of the legs at the corner. I couldn't believe it. Aye. There was no better chance to take a Celtic that year. Well, Birch had a great chance in the first half and then yeah. he snatched at it. And, uh, and Apple lifting the ball over Neil Lennon, I remember that. Yeah. He was a good player. Yeah. He was a great player. I yeah. love playing Adam Apple as well. I mean, Jim O'Brien, I really enjoyed it because we were younger, naive, mm-hmm. wanted to do well. Um, but really good boys. Really good boys. Adam carried a bit of, as I say, shit about him. You know, he, he didn't care what anybody thought. He would want to do it his way. Mm-hmm. I love that about him. Jim O'Brien was more of a work ethic, work like player that, you know, understood or, you know, wanted to come in the team and, you know, impress. No, he was a, O'Brien was the worker out of the two of them. Hamill had the, the, the more ability. And then, well, what you're saying, aye. And uh, even though the, I mean, the semi-final against Hibs, got a tune out of Bamba at the back and Phil Maguire was a hell of a defender as well you know the, the, the two clean sheets he against Hibs and uh, there was Hamill won the penalty up at Hamden as well yeah. and then then McIntyre kind of penanked it down the middle <laughs> I mean they're, they're absolutely great times the, the team are absolutely flying but it took Kenny for ages to get yeah, to go in uh, aside for that freak win against Rangers in the cup you know which she thought we were going to kick on for there but I always remember we went down we lost the cup final there was huge positivity still because we thought this guy's the real deal we kept most of the squad uh, and then it hit home pretty hard the 2,000 fans to Hamilton the next the next season the first game and we got absolutely ripped to bits uh, we didn't realise what we were watching though that, that was a the hell of a Hamilton team. You don't realise at the time with MacArthur, McCarthy, mm. Ryan Easton. The boy you played against, Gilhaney. Gilhaney. I'm surprised he never kicked on. I thought he was a fantastic winner. But... No. Alec Neal would have probably been part of that as well. They both mm. on the top. They're a right good side. But you look at the Dundee team that they actually picked to the league, which had uh, Kevin McDonald playing centre midfield. And they, they were a good side as well. So you can look back and think, we obviously went into naive thinking we'd walk the league, but uh, it was... It just went from bad to worse. Then there was the Hacking game. Was, unlike half in a fjord, or we should have beaten Hacking. Uh, and then you had the, the 12 0 versus Hamilton, Livy, and Stubborn Albion in the space of three weeks. And that was basically the end of Stephen Kenny after that. Mm. Not good times. No, I remember it. I remember the day it was, you know, let go. It was, it was sad. It was just a tough, a tough pace. And, you know, whatever you say about Stephen Kenny, and, you know, you hear a lot. He's actually a really good man. Fans all liked him. We always, everyone wanted him to succeed. That's the they thing. They did. And it, you know, and it can't come down to you know the the, the man management in, in the sessions that it was put on. And no. Obviously, that had an effect on how we played. And you know, results results ended it for him. I mean, it wasn't any other than that. I don't think anyone wanted him to go. But when you're when you're ninth in the championship after getting relegated, you're. Aye. I got along with him really well. I've touched base with him three or four times since I left. It's good that he's, it's good that he's kicked on. It's, I think everyone. I think we're looking at a few. He's some, one of the players he had, and I think the head coach went off and introduced himself and saw him train and whatever. So he was always good with me and whatever. Kept in touch and still do. But it was just unfortunate. But I think at the time was was the right the right. Well, thing it had, had to be. He might well have taken us down again. And obviously, Jimmy Mack came in, steadied the ship. Uh, yeah, another season after that, we'd be kind of 
was quite a good season as we kind of flirted with promotion and we got the Scottish Cup semi-final we just ran out of steam towards the end of the season right, it's all coming uh, mm-hmm. but the, the kind of writing was on the wall though. even though they were bottom of the league there was a wee bit just, just a bit more quality in their team than there was in our team yeah. certainly, certainly going forward we were, we were steady enough at the back as evidenced by the fact we went up to Pataudry and then ground it out nil nil. but there wasn't as much going forward towards the end of the season and then actually that's the only time we met before it was the Lothian 68 dinner and it was you and Scott Wilson oh yeah and, uh, was that the curry? Uh, oh, that was a great day that was actually the devs I think about that aye. 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 I was sitting next to Edinburgh aye. Aye. <laughs> that was a good night aye. it was but, but we, we kind of I forget who it was I think it was you knew you were leaving and Scott we pretty much knew he was leaving but he wasn't quite confirmed yeah. yet uh, but obviously both of us had a year left on our contract I think not the where my dad had just died three months prior to that right. I felt it was the right time to go because I wanted to experience something different yeah. I wanted to sort of change for the kids it was the same old life was fairly easy and as I said earlier it becomes a comfort when you play for a club for a long time yeah. and I felt as if the supporters were recognised or not recognised but you know maybe saw that we became a target mm-hmm. um, myself and Scott and Scott Thompson Stephen Glass the older ones and I just thought you know what I can't really be doing this anymore mm-hmm. it's time to go let's be fair to the club move on they can have your salary and then you know whatever and I went on to to have a great lifestyle and a great career out in America mm-hmm. I'm a better person now than what I was 10 years ago and I'm a better coach now than what I was I've learned so much out there that you know I'm bringing back to what the youth coming through here and that's been the benefits of, of playing out there and coaching out there completely different loved it my kids still regret going mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, life is so different but you know when you're you have tours for the beach and tours for the mountains and uh, seen some of the stuff we've seen we never saw that and how did it come about? Richard Huxford was it? Can <laughs> 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 you believe me? <laughs> no, I, 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 thought, I thought it was a Scottish coach in no, Carolina. No, it was. So Martin Rennie was the coach. Richard Huxford was actually out there along with Brian Irvin. Was he? And Paul Ritchie was there. All right, okay. Mm-hmm. So Huxford called me up out of the blue. It's funny because we used to go along London Links and I used to do like Sandwich for the season. Because right. he was a beast. And I was thought of the beast. And I was always quite fit. And yeah. I wanted to train a really fit guy. So I went along with him. And I always kept in touch with him. And he was involved in the sports science piece and he, he said, you fancy coming out to America? I went, mm, not sure. Mm-hmm. He said, just come out and have a look. Scottish coach, Mark Rennie, Mark Rennie from Marlowe area. And I went out with Lenny. I was like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. Uh, the facilities. The, facilities, uh, the lifestyle, the, the houses, the desperate houses was out on TV and that's the easiest thing I can explain it was every single house was a desperate house, like massive. Mm-hmm. The pavements were bleached white the grass was cut with scissors, it was perfect, pristine, mm-hmm. everything. And we had a look around, looked around schools, and the weather was 90 degrees, and I thought, well, that's pretty good. <laughs> we can do this. Well, this, this is, like, I've got family in Virginia, so it's just... It's similar. Yeah, I, a bit colder. But uh, that's why I couldn't believe you came back. But like uh, you're saying, life, life, life maybe just the a, right time. It's a bit false. No, it's really, it is, and you could, we could have stayed there for the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. And... Being in the same job, doing the same thing. You don't want to move other states in America because you're moving kids away from school. Mm-hmm. It's just different. You've got to move to the right area. With Atlanta United, you know, it's a similar thing. They were very interested in me going there. I couldn't really? move to Atlanta because it wasn't, you know, part of the academy set up. Right, okay. Like Stephen Glass is now as well, but 
as I said to them, I, I couldn't do it because it's just too busy, it's too expensive for what it is. The mm-hmm. schooling piece is not what we had. Mm-hmm. We had the top colleges earlier, UNC, UNC State. Big party, the, the, the kids, their education piece was massive. You know, they're, they're doing stuff now that in, in the school in Invercade, which we did three years ago. <laughs> it's quite funny. I see. Uh, and it's just driven towards education. Uh-huh. So that was a huge learning curve, you know, when I started coaching the, the, the youngers, the U14 or 13s team was one of the nights the kid comes to me, coach, I can't come to practice tomorrow night. I says, how's that? I've got homework. And I was like, what? <laughs> You've got homework? <laughs> right, you can do that. No, I've got homework. And I was like, all right, no problem. So that's when I thought, oof. This area is a little bit different. Yeah. Very religious as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was just part of the, 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 the everyday piece of we would be the only, you know, family going up and sitting down in, in the pool during the day because everybody had a communal pool. Yeah. So we'd go up there, one of the big pool, shoots, wave machines, whatever, <laughs> you know, and all that crap. And uh, we'd be up there, us and the other British family, all the Americans that they come to during the day because it was that hot. Right. So we were like, what are we doing? We just coming out here for the suntan and like ginger hair, whatever. <laughs> and we got a grip with pretty quickly. Americans don't come out, they don't have big gardens. Mm-hmm. They just shut the doors, put the air con on, come out at night when it's cool and mm-hmm. they, you know, do their stuff at the weekend. But it was all driven towards education. Kids were four nights a week sports. Mm-hmm. They come back do the homework at weekend and no life because they would do homework mm-hmm. or do the sports. Yeah. You, you know, you hear about spring break in America. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. North Carolina, you go spring break, you go crazy because the kids are not used to get out there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When you come back it's a cultural difference. So see kids get out here, you know, some of the stuff they, they do and wear and you know, what you see is is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> you know. The noises you hear they come in vain, you know, the, the noises you hear for kids hanging around the beach and whatever it's just we've not been it's not used to this it's yeah. different uh, so it's about a culture shock for kids as well definitely and the way people speak is completely different too what does the future hold for you then would you see yourself as someone that brings you know kids through to first team or do you see yourself as maybe going to you know being a number one somewhere at some point or no I mean short term would be you know I'm delighted you know I keep saying I'll take pride in what I do um, every day Short terms to you know get them firmly in a position which is where they should be, and where that is is you know, I think they should be a Premier League team, whether that's one year, three year, five year. Um, it all comes down to that's more short term. Is we want them firmly to get back to being an exciting team again, where we can have people come to the games. It's you know looking at the club and saying really exciting group. We yeah. want to buy some of these players for yeah. me. Yeah. That's my goal. I want to sell on players, I want to, you know, be part of a coaching staff, be part of a group that's, you know, remembered as in your 2014, your Jim McIntyre team that won with Martin Hardy scoring the winner, mm-hmm. teams like that. Yeah. And then, you know, progress through coaching, whether that's here, whether that's beyond, whatever, you know, that, that that's the goal. But the, the short-term piece is to, to do really well here and, and just maximise every single, you know, person I have within, within, within our staff within, the, within the, the, playing, the playing staff that we can make them better and fully maximum that's that's my goal Mid, mid-term goal win a league win a cup get to cup final again you meant to that long-term goal be back in the top four right. fantastic
What was your best achievement in football so far? Probably winning an English Championship. Mm-hmm. Winning that, yeah. A couple, but the team they had down there, it wasn't the best team on paper. But it was a very good, the, the culture, the, the, the team spirit, the yeah. camaraderie, the boys, the togetherness of the, the willingness and want to do well was fantastic. Great group of boys. Look at the job Kirby did overall, which is unbelievable. Unbelievable. How high they finished in the league. And it's a credit. I mean, they made the right you know, choices at the right time, but really players when he had to, you know, and, and brought the, the right player in. He was vibrant and wanted to do well. Uh, best ever goal? <laughs> Probably Charlton against Nottingham Forest. That's uh, what I remember. We back in 2000, turn of the year. All came edge of the box and when it cracked, it feel like 20. Two years, maybe my top one. I did best in goals. All right. Nice. The, 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 the vision I have is one. Remember the goal McCoy scored against Switzerland in that Euro yeah. '96. It was similar to that, or man. His was a little bit better than mine. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember just we did flying the top corner, but it was kind of edge of the box. I, I, I remember seeing it. I was trying to find it on the internet the day. The only one I could find was your command goal for the I was actually sponsored by Feel at the time. Right. And I wore a pair of Nikes. <laughs> so I, I'd cut the Nike stripes off and I'd paint my boots black. Aye. So I scored a goal on a massive slide, boots up in the air. What's in the sun on the next day? Oh, me no. and Nikes feel as if I'm sorry, I'm not in you. I was like, all right, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's the best player you've ever played with? Uh, it's quite a lot you've actually gone through. The easy ones are your Rangers one, and drops and goffs and, and boys like that. But I'm purely looking at the best player I've played with would probably be Mark Kinsella. Really? Mitchell. Right, okay. Uh, Just every single ounce was left on the pitch. Aye. This guy would be snowing, freezing cold, about with his t shirt coming <laughs> up, bright red arms, right red legs. But just everything he brought a leader, captain, great guy, good player. Even you said Dean Durant earlier as well. But, uh, They're the easy ones, uh, right? It's easy but Durant was with Kilmarnock, though, does. But, I mean, you kind of forget how good he was when, he, when he went there. Andy McLaren as well, he was some talent. Aye, he was a good player when he wanted to be. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I just remember McLaren was, it was a big comeback, wasn't it, when he went to Kilmarnock? So it's what happened before, and he yeah, really, really did well. He did, he was a game changer, Andy McLaren. Good guy, life and soul with the club, and obviously been lucky with some of the players I've played with. But Guys under the radar, probably him. Aye. Uh, what about the best player you've played against? I'm going to be a little bit modest here. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to play in uh, a Sydney side tournament in the Amsterdam Arena mm-hmm. with Rangers. It was Rangers, Liverpool, Ajax, and EC Milan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so at the time, you could, like Baggio, Savicevic, Boban, mm-hmm. Maldini, and all these boys played with, and Desai played with Milan, Donadoni, and it was just. These were the guys I used to watch on TV and uh-huh. actually in the same pictures of. And you don't realise how small or how big these players are. Badger, you don't realise how small he is. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, David Seaman. You didn't realise how big David Seaman was or uh-huh. Terry Henry or Patrick Vieira, massive. You don't realise that until you're playing against them. But I was really lucky. But you just take it in your stride and you, you don't realise how lucky you are. Uh, when you walk into a Rangers dressing in the morning, you've got all these names. Sure. It's just part of your job. Mm-hmm. And you're on the pitch against them. You, you don't want that's what I said. I was never one that gave me a jersey. Mm-hmm. I probably should have. But I was very proud of my myself and I was, didn't want to feel inferior to the opponent yeah. mm-hmm. against them. Do you have one name? Best, the very best. 
That's the if you're looking for it, I mean, I played against Harry Kew when he was at Leeds, and I thought Harry Kew was really, really uh, good. He was hard to play against. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Cardell. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny, we asked Joe Cardell. Yeah. He likes a name drop, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. yeah. the player he played against yeah. was uh, Edgar Davis. Edgar Davis, Davis uh, yeah. he managed to drop that one in. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned Obermars and Cliver. Ah, no, Stunning players. I played a tournament against Rangers way back. We won everything at Rangers as a kid. U18, I think it was, and Billy Cudd with John McGregor took us to Holland. And it was great times because, you know, at that time you could enjoy yourself and go out. It was more uh-huh. like an end of the season, get together, mm-hmm. bash type thing. So mm-hmm. we'd go out, we'd play, and we'd play against the Ajax. Scott McCulloch played. And Seedorf played in Clive and all these boys played with Ajax at the time, come through because of Rangers with us. And I remember Scott McCulloch absolutely smashing Cloud Seedorf. <laughs> and Seedorf's thighs were like twice the size of Scott McCulloch's nice. thighs. And Scott being for Comrade Junior thought he was a tough guy. Seedorf just like brushed his leg and looked at him. <laughs> Big Bob just walked away with his fit. <laughs> but you, you didn't realise at the time how fortunate you were, right? That's how much the games changed. I mean, we were really lucky to be involved in, in these type of games. But then I put it down to your point it's, it's hard work to get there. And it's the grounding piece of when it's hard, how hard do you want to work to get there? And I think that was a bit of mentality I had to you know, separate myself from a lot of the other players coming through the team. Great stuff. I think we've probably covered everything else that was down in the seat there, and it's probably time. And I just want to thank you for your time, Greg. It's been no absolutely problem. fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, it's best of luck for the upcoming season. Let's hope it's a positive one. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs>